We are back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And I want to uh, tell you a little about my next guest, and he's standing by to join us. Dr. Oren Davis is a Ph.D. He's the principal investigator of the Quality of Life Laboratory and the chief science officer of SelfSpark. And he's going to talk about his research in positive psychology and his role at Happify, which is an interesting website I came across, and Happy Brain Science and more. Good morning, Dr. Davis. Good morning. How are you? Doing all right. How are you doing? Good. I was so fascinated by you. I heard about you on the Happify website. Could you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. A website that's bringing, and a basically an app that's bringing positive psychology to everybody and basically giving people the opportunity to try out the interventions that we've learned from science of positive psychology just to have more happy lives and to enjoy themselves a lot more. So I told you offline one of the reasons I got in touch with you is because the show is Get the Funk Out, and I'm so fascinated with how, you know, it's so tough to go through the ups and downs of life and be positive when things get a little funky. And I know you, you earned the first doctorate in positive psychology. Yes, I did. Tell me about that. So uh, when Claremont started the new program uh, back in 07, I was one of the people who joined up along with uh, my colleague, Yojin Rowe, and the two of us were the first two to enter the program. And I worked with uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi on flow research and uh, finished my doctorate under him to uh, complete the first doctorate. It was actually a lot of fun. I really loved working with Mike and Gene Nakamura, my advisor also. And uh, just a very good program and a really, really fascinating time. And could you give advice for people that, you know, I guess they wake up on the wrong side of the bed, they're in a funk. <laughs> and, you know, how, how do you stay positive in times of trouble? Well, the thing about positive psychology is it's not always about staying positive 100% of the time. Right. In some cases, it's actually about recognizing the negative emotions that we experience and actually understanding both their reason and their value. I mean, you know, in a certain sense, about the negative, we also don't have the positive. So... It, you know, people, sometimes people just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. They have a tough morning, and sometimes it's just worthwhile to look at this and say, this is a tough morning, and actually just to acknowledge what's going on there. And in, in many cases, what holds us back and what makes it a far more difficult day for us is the fact that we're not willing to acknowledge that we're having a bad day. We're trying to push back or avoid the negative, yes. and in doing so, that actually puts us into a downward spiral. Uh, this is actually a piece of advice that I learned from Todd Cashton, was uh, that it's actually helpful to acknowledge what's there, to look at what's there, to observe yourself uh, in these moments, and that actually makes it a lot more manageable once you've identified what's going on. So if someone says, so, how are you today? Um, the typical answer is, oh, great, thanks, how are you? It's better to just say, you know what, <laughs> I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or just lay it out flat and be honest. Maybe with yourself, but not always do people want to hear how bad of a day oh, you're I having. Know. <laughs> <laughs> right. They don't. I don't think people really want to hear the real truth sometimes, you know? In my experience, very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a, basically a delicate line between honesty and uh, keeping it brief, I guess. Well, honesty with yourself. I mean, certainly when you look at it in right. the mirror, just be honest about that. And in your, you know, internal monologue, I mean, that is definitely the place to be honest. 
when you're dealing with other people, you sort of have to find out whether how are you is just uh, regular small talk true. or whether they actually want the answer to that question. That is true. So you are a self-actualization engineer. What is that? So what I look into is how, how people can actually achieve self-actualization, get to that level later on to self-transcendence. And I'm primarily interested in the factors that contribute to that, how people can do that. And to me, this looks a lot like engineering. It's understanding mechanisms. It's understanding which variables relate to one another. And in a certain sense, building up a rather complex system of life and understanding how we can use the different variables, work with the different variables to actually get ourselves to the fulfillment of our potential and then beyond to create something that lasts beyond our lifetime. Wow. And tell me about the Quality of Life Laboratory. So this is my lab, and uh, we work on uh, promoting those kinds, of, those kinds of mechanisms that lead to self-actualization. And uh, particularly in my areas of focus are creativity, innovation, uh, flow, and these, these different ways in which we can make, first of all, make workplaces great places to work, but also to make the most of our careers, which are often the vehicles for self-actualization. And when I say career, I do mean it very, very broadly. Even parenthood is in a lot of senses a career. Right. Right. You want to give an example of um, some of the work you've done? So some of the work that I've been doing, which will hopefully be published later this year, uh, is working on tools that promote creative ideation. So how we come up with creative ideas, some of the mechanisms that allow us to come up with more creative ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, hopefully having a paper come out later this year on some of the relationships between empathy and creativity, which is not actually such a simple relationship. And I know that you, I told you I read about you on Happify, and you're a uh, mm-hmm. science advisor. Could you talk about that as well? So some of what we're looking at at Happify are some of the interventions that actually promote positive well-being. And as much as there's been a lot of talk about that, we also want to be able to do some of the gold standard clinical trials and actually make sure that the interventions that we have at Happify are hardcore science-based. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you're going to need some scientists on the team. So uh, the chief scientist, Acacia Parks, uh, is uh, working overtime to make, to make fantastic results happen, and I'm very honored to be on her team. Oh, she's coming on my show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so I'm you really can ask her about it also. And um, what are some ways people can, you know, focus on being positive? I mean, are there strategies that you suggest to people? The number one is... Actually, just to be honest, to, to be realistic, and, you know, from there, I think that people have the opportunity to be more optimistic once they've got a good grip on the variables. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, you know, people, people associate realism with depression, and they're certainly related, but at the same time, if our optimism is entirely unbridled and isn't bounded by what we actually know about in those cases, you know, people still go off the rails. So the most important thing, I think, is looking at the factors that we actually have some influence over. What can we do? And in many cases, reality often seems to look like what can't we do? What are our boundaries? What lines can't we go over? Instead of looking at, you know, what do I have with me this moment? What's, you know, in my black bag of tricks? Right. Uh, that I can pull out and actually use here. And in many cases, people don't focus on what's going well for them. They don't count their blessings. They don't look at what's going right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's often the, the primary first step is, you know, be honest about what's going wrong, but 
put your focus on what's going right. Right. Obviously, we all go through funks. Do you care to share, like, ways you stay out of a funk? You, you stay positive? And what are some things you do? I mean, first of all, people, people have funks. And, you know, so do I. And you know, usually the first thing is that I acknowledge that I'm in one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I realize that I've just got to ride this out. That I'm having a tough time, and I've, you know, and I've got to, you know, look at the emotions, see what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it. And usually, once I get the what's and the why's, and I understand what's going on, it's often a lot easier for me to write it out and to know that it, that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And I guess there are things I can do, and probably the, the number one thing that I hang on to is, I've done this before. Like, I've been through a funk before. I've mm-hmm. gotten through a funk before. Um, I, I find that people are often very frightened of the fact that if they get in one, they can't get out. Oh, and no. most people actually have a really, really good track record of getting out of funks. And you, you kind of hang on to that. That's sort of your lifeline. And, you know, in, my, in some of my deepest funks, that's been the lifeline. Is I've gotten out of this before. I'll do it again. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, let's face it. We're going to go through heavy-duty crap. <laughs> That's part of yeah. life. And you have to figure out uh, a set of skills to use your toolkit to get out of that at different moments. And because it's okay to wallow, you know, sometimes we get inside and, and we learn. But after a while, you got to start moving and kind of change your perspective and, you know, start working on it. And I think the, the number one thing with that, which I find over and over again that people don't do but really should is pay attention to your track record. And you're know, working with students, you know, teaching business school students, teaching undergrads, um, even you know, coaching executives, uh, working you know, with management employee relationships, one of the number one things I keep pointing out is look at the track record. Yes. You know, it may be a blip, but you've got a track record. You've got a track record of success. You've got a track record of getting out of funks. You've got a track record of doing what you need to do at the times when you need to do it, and you can hang on to that. Right. Because the older you get, the harder they get. I mean, let's face it. You, you get through these different, you know, career funks are different from when you're in your 20s and someone breaks up with you. You know? Yeah. Although people of all ages have to deal with, you know, all sorts of situations. And really, it's, it's mostly about what you're, what you're facing relative to what you're able to handle. Mm-hmm. But That's even still, true. you have a track record of taking on increasingly hard challenges. And if you look back over your life, almost everybody does. Right. And it's ironic people ignore that track record. And I'm not saying that that's going to make it easier. And I don't want to suggest for a minute that that makes things look positive or easier. All I'm saying is you got that lifeline. True. No, that's very true. So tell me about happy brain science. So that's uh, Scott Crabtree's brainchild. And that's about bringing, you know, the neuroscience of happiness uh, to the workplace. And Scott, uh, Scott's a fantastic guy. He's got a lot of years at Intel. And, you know, sometimes he comes to me with the science questions just to make sure that, you know, what he's suggesting is grounded in science. Uh, he's a really fantastic guy, does brilliant work, and, uh, again, honored to be working with him and just, you know, giving some advice. Uh, but, you know, Scott brings great experience to what he does, and he really mixes both the science of positive psychology as well as just years of experience in the workplace to make workplaces better. So I don't think I asked you this at the beginning, but what gravitated you towards studying this, to getting a doctorate in positive psychology? 
So I was always interested in the fulfillment of human potential. I often wondered, like, how far can we go? What are we capable of doing? And uh, some of that just, you know, came from some of the impressive feats with hypnosis that I saw as a kid. Uh, I got into it at six, uh, kept at it, and actually published a few papers on it, still do. And I've been working on that for most of my life. But that was, you know, that combined with, actually, uh, I'm Jewish and coming from, you know, a background in Judaism where a lot of Jewish wisdom is about the fulfillment of your potential and how people can do that and the fact that we've been created to do that. You know, all that coming together just provided a very strong inspiration for me to want to study self-actualization and, you know, being much more interested in what works and how people really could thrive and how people can use whatever they have to make a difference. That just has always been fascinating to me, you know, for for as long as I can remember. And so that, you know, when I found out that there was this program at Claremont and that, you know, um, Chukfit Nehai was uh, actually at Claremont and doing his full research at Claremont, uh, that that was pretty interesting to me, so I really wanted to go for it. That's awesome. It sounds like you're doing what you always were meant to do and wanted to do. Surprisingly enough, yes, and I say surprisingly because that definitely isn't where I started out, and yet, you know, I can see the track bringing me there. Uh, It's one of those things where, you know, it's fun to sound like you were certain about this your whole life. I definitely wasn't. Why? Where were you at the beginning? Like, did you think you were going to, like, join a rock band? I don't know. (laughs) I know. I started Brandeis, a pre-medical chemistry major. Whoa. Okay. And that was just not your thing? Well, I love chemistry, and mm-hmm. I, I still do. And, it, you know, it's actually provided me with a number of analogies. Uh, when I gave a TED Talk, I actually put up a reaction coordinates uh, on the board when I was talking there. So it's been a great inspiration. Um, but what I found was, you know, that my interest in behavioral medicine, lifestyle medicine, uh, it hadn't caught on yet, and I was a lot more interested in the research than actually practicing medicine. So uh, one of my mentors uh, convinced me that probably I should go for PhD instead of an MD. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I loved your TED Talk, by the way. Uh, thank you. That was really cool. Where can people find out more about you? So based on my website, uh, Uh And uh, I've got links to my TED Talk, some of the research that I do, some of the uh, consulting work that I do, you know, things like uh, making workplaces, great places to work, breaking glass ceilings, things along those lines. Awesome. Are, P- are you uh, speaking publicly or just mostly to different corporations or different conferences? I mean, how can people hear you? Mostly online? Uh, mostly online, uh, occasionally on radio shows, and, mm-hmm. you know, when people invite me. So uh, I've had opportunities uh, to speak at uh, certain conferences, HDMP, for example, and uh, other corporations. So, you know, I, I love sharing the message, and I love you know, talking to people, uh, giving lectures. I really enjoy that sort of thing. So uh, there, are, there are lectures online, and you can find those. There, most of them are linked to my website, and if anybody is looking for something or for a talk that I gave, um, you know, they can always email me, and I'm happy to send the information. One thing I do want to ask you, because I know you write and you talk about human capital and creativity and innovation. Um, do you find that it's hard for people to find time for creativity as they get older and they get caught up in their busy lives? I don't know if it's about age uh, so much as it is about, you know, just getting so swamped in all the details. Mm-hmm. And there's just always so much to do. And in many cases, we don't, we don't map out the time. In many cases, we think that we have to, you know, just fulfill obligations 
we're very focused on the short term, not so much on the long term, but creativity is really about a long term view. Many companies don't really give their employees opportunities to be creative and funnel it up at the expense of the company's growth. Right. But still, uh, but still, that's, that's the biggest reason is we, we don't make time for it because we don't see it as a priority, mostly because its value is not seen in the short term. Well, and here's my take on that. If you have creative pursuits and you, you do them, like whether it's guitar or cooking or sculpture or whatever, you're going to be a happier person and you're going to be more productive in what you do on a daily basis, I think. Well, absolutely, and in a very real sense, that's because you're being more yourself. That's actually a connection that Maslow made, you know, a long time back, that mm-hmm. there's a relationship between being creative and being self-actualized. Right. I, do you have specific things that you love to do creatively? Well, I love writing, and actually uh, love music, and I'm mm-hmm. a ballroom dancer, so I actually oh. love doing ballroom dance, uh, go out dancing a couple nights a week, and for mm-hmm. me, that's, that's both you know, my gym and also my mental health. And uh, you know, right. even when I was slaving away in grad school, uh, that was the, there was my dancing night every week. And you know, nobody it. touched my Thursday night because I'm going to Lindy Groove. Exactly. See? See, if you don't have that creative outlet, you're not going to be who you are and, you know, feel happy, basically. Yeah, and if I'm not writing and if I'm not dancing, like, definitely something feels kind of, tight inside, so I really need to get out and do that. Yes, you could turn kvetchy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Okay. So throw out your website one more time. So it's www.qllab.org, qllab.org. And uh, I saw some of your YouTube videos. Work. They'll just uh, Google you or search for you on YouTube to watch your talks? Uh, sure, although I link to most of them on my website anyway. Oh, good. So people can find it there. All right. Thank you so much for calling into the show. This has been great. Sure, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Oren Davis, who earned his doctorate in positive psychology and is a self-actualization engineer, and he enables people to do and be their best. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog later on today. If you want to find out about being a guest on the show, all you have to do is send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. That's the hard part, spelling my name, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. I do want to mention that we are on Twitter at K-U-C-I FM, Instagram at K-U-C-I FM, Tumblr, blog dot K-U-C-I dot org, Facebook KUCI 88.9. All right, so uh, Sheldon Abbott is going to come on in just a little bit. We'll just listen to some music. And if you missed any of today's guests, again, they are up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org.